You are listening to a New Season Church audio sermon. Prepare your heart to hear a word from God. Well, this morning I'm carrying on with a series entitled Recalculating. The last week we started our brand new series called Recalculating. And really we're looking at this idea of what do we do when plans change. And for basically the whole world, the last couple of months, everyone's plans have changed. Everyone had a direction they were going in. Everyone had a plan for their life, for their kids, for their family, for their business. And all of, the, all of a sudden things got turned upside down. And so what do we do when plans change? And so in the season, it's so important that we understand that ultimately we need the divine direction. We need direction from God. We need a leading from God in terms of what do we do and, and, and how do we get to where God has really called us to. Because in the season, we need to recalculate. We might need to recalibrate and readjust where we're going so we can still get to the place that God has called us to. And last week, our later foundation we looked at the power to become, and we saw that ultimately God is not leading us to a place, but to a person. That uh, our destiny is not a destination, but it is Christ. That God has predestined us to be formed in the image of Christ. That ultimately what's more important is the who than the do, and more importantly it's the why more important than the what. And so we need to understand that God is firstly leading us to a person to be formed in the image of Christ. When we have that understanding, then we will understand that as we recalculate and readjust our plans, we will know what the foundation is and really what is God trying to accomplish with our lives. And so this morning I want to uh, do a very practical message and I want us to see how do we apply wisdom to the decisions that we are making. And so ultimately we need divine direction, but this is how God directs. Divine direction requires us to move. It requires us to take a step. You can't steer a ship that is not moving. Uh, I'll give you an example for those of you that remember uh, be- the time before power steering. It was extremely difficult to turn the wheel to direct where that car was going unless it was moving. You see, you had to make the car move a little bit in order to turn the steering wheel. And it's the same way with us and God. God wants us to take a step and as we take a step God directs us in the in 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 the direction that he wants us to go he said that he directs our path and he makes that path blessed blessed he blesses that path that we are on but it still requires us to move and so this morning I want to look at how do we make wise decisions how do we how do we apply wisdom to the decisions especially the season that we're in so that we can make good decisions and decisions that are most likely to produce good fruit and and good results in our lives so what is wisdom well wisdom is simply the application of knowledge in the right context the application of knowledge in the right time and the right situation what do I mean by that well, I'll give you an example. Marriage. Marriage is a good idea. It's a God idea. But marriage applied in the wrong time, in the wrong context, will probably an, be an unwise decision. So, it's a great idea to be married. Marriage is wonderful. It's a God idea. But getting married while you're still living with your parents and not have your own income and can't support yourself or your family is probably an unwise decision. Right, because it's going to produce uh, a little bit more pressure and a little bit more strain on your marriage than what it should in a different context. See, it's a God idea, the right knowledge, 
but applied in the wrong context produces an unwise decision. Okay, so a couple of roadblocks to making wise decisions. I've, I've seen when we, uh, especially as Christians, when we want to make a decision, there are a couple of roadblocks that we face uh, that hamper us from actually making uh, a good decision or even making a decision at all. So number one, we get paralyzed because we think there's a godliest option. As Christians, we, we understand that God has a will for our lives, but we also need to understand that there is a good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. God. And ideally, all of us want to be in the perfect will of God. And so, because we want to be in the perfect will of God, what we think is when we present it with, with, with a decision to make, we think that there is a godless option. So in other words, if we don't pick the right decision, then God will not be happy with us. And therefore, that decision will not produce good results in our lives. So roadblock number one, we get paralyzed because we think there's a godliest option. Number two, we get paralyzed because, because we put too much pressure on ourselves to make a decision. Everything hangs on this one decision. Everything we hope to do and hope that we will uh, achieve and, and experience in our life hangs on this one decision. So we get paralyzed. We, we think that if we make the wrong decision, if we make the bad, uh, a bad decision, then all of our hopes and dreams will kind of crumble because we made this one bad decision. And, and lastly, we get paralyzed because we're waiting for a sign from God. For a lot of uh, Christians and a lot of people that believe in the Christian faith, they're waiting for a sign from God. They, they have to make a decision. They have to move in a certain direction. And so they're waiting for God to write in the sky with His finger, this is the way to go. And so for most people, that that's not how God works. God works in, in a certain way. And yes, God will at times make it very apparent in what decision we need to make and in which direction we need to go, almost like a fleece test that Gideon did. And there, there are certain instances and times in our lives where we will need to do that, where we'll need a very specific uh, guidance, where we need a very specific, if you want to call sign from God. But more often than not, God works in, in a different way when He wants us, when He's trying to lead us in a direction. So, one of the roadblocks is that we don't want to make a decision because we're waiting for a sign from God. And so, we're talking about wisdom uh, and making wise decisions. And so, I believe there are two ways to gain wisdom. Number one is through experience, and number two is from God. Number one is experience. So, we gain a wisdom through life experiences and the things that we've gone through. The problem with experience, it's a bad teacher. You see, experience gives you the test first and then the lesson. And so for most of us that have gone through life and experienced some things and made some mistakes, uh, we gain wisdom from that. We see how not to do certain things. And so when the, when that thing comes up again, we don't make the same decision. We reevaluate and we change the way we approach that. Uh, I don't know about you, but I don't like that way of gaining wisdom. It's a very painful way. Uh, I'd rather get it from God, right? And God is the author of wisdom, and God is the, the beginning of wisdom starts with Him. In Proverbs 9.10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And so right here in the scripture, we see that in order for us to have wisdom, which is so important, the application of knowledge in the right context, the right time, and the right situation, it starts with the fear of God. 
the word fear here doesn't mean to be scared of God. It means to have reverence for God. It means to uh, worship God. It means to be in awe of Him. It means to look up to Him. It means to really be in a sense of reverence and honor of God. The word here says that the beginning of wisdom, how we get wisdom, is firstly by understanding that God is an all-encompassing God, that we are to worship Him, that we are to devote our lives to Him. And as we do that, God begins to give us wisdom, give, begins to give us understanding of situations and how to respond to those situations. And so, how do we make good and wise decisions? Well, so I, I want to give you a little bit of a process here uh, that I find helpful in terms of evaluating how to make good decisions and make uh, wise decisions. Now, firstly, a disclaimer. This process will not guarantee you that you make perfect decisions every single time. It will not guarantee that you're always going to make wise decisions. You can go through this whole process and still make a decision that ends up being detrimental, that ends up being something that you didn't, not, that you didn't hope for. But what this process does do, it, it creates like bumpers. If you've ever been to a bowling alley, you know that they, they, there's a function where you can put up little uh, guards on the side. So when you do uh, bowl that ball, it doesn't go into the gutter. So it's got a better chance of hitting, hitting the pins than completely missing it out. Now, even with those gutters lifted, you're not going to hit a strike every single time. You're not going to knock over the pins every single time. Sometimes you'll only hit one. Sometimes you'll hit every single one of them. And so the idea behind the bumpers in a bowling alley is that you don't miss it completely. That there's a better chance of hitting the pins with the bumpers as opposed to without the bumpers. And so this process is the same thing. Though this process is like those bumpers. It won't guarantee that you hit a strike every single time with your, with your decision or what you are doing, but it will create a certain framework, a certain guidance that will give you a better chance of hitting what you are aiming for uh, than without going through this process. So number one in the process is believe God's word. And so the first step in this process or this framework of making good decisions and getting direction from God in terms of where we're going is to believe God's word. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. And fools despise wisdom and they despise instruction. And so the wisdom begins with the, our relationship with God, to have this fear of God, this reverence of God, really to understand who God is and what He says about us, to understand what is our relationship with Him, and, go, and, 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 and to understand what are the circumstances, what are the expectations that He has for us, and what are the expectations we can have of Him. We need to believe God's Word. And so we start with the Bible because it's the, mo it's the truest data that we have. You see, the Bible becomes a plumb line according to which we measure our lives and according to the standard by which we live our lives on. And so the, the Bible is very clear about certain things. And it has clear standards about certain things and our lives and what are the things that we are to pursue and what are the things that we are to, to leave alone. And so when we're looking at a decision, when we're looking at what direction should I go, we need to first, firstly check, well, the decision I want to make, is it sin? Is, is it something that God has clearly told us not to do? If it is, then the process ends right there. 
You see, this process is not about determining how far you can go with your boyfriend or girlfriend. It's not about determining whether you should be generous to people, to the church, whether you should honor God with with your sustenance. It's not about determining whether you should forgive or not. No, those are commandments and God instructs us to do those things. And so that's more of an obedience issue than a wisdom issue. And so when we want to look at the direction we want to go in, what are the things we want to do? The first step is, well, is this clearly forbidden by God? Is this something that God clearly, clearly tells us don't do? If it is, if it is sin, then this process stops and we don't do that. If it's not, then we carry on with this process and we look at three uh, kind of aspects of God's word that can help us in the gray areas of our lives. You see, because most decisions that we need to make and most big decisions uh, in our lives, in, in the direction we want to go, is not very clear cut. A lot of times, the decisions that we're called to make and the direction that, that we're called to go in is very much a gray area. And so in the gray areas of our lives, there are three aspects that we can look at in terms of how do we, how do we make a good decision. Number one, it's God's gospel. We need to know what God says about us. We need to know what, what, what He uh, uh, how he views us, that ultimately we are called the children of God. If, if you are a believer of Christ, if you profess Christ as the Son of God and your Savior and your Lord, then ultimately God says, I've adopted you as my children. And he says, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's the first thing, really, that ultimately that we've been reconciled with God. Why is that important? Well, we need to remember this because we need to know that the things that we do there are certain things that we do that will never change what God says about us. We need to know what identity is because identity will never be changed uh, because of a decision we make. And so even if we make the wrong decision, really the ultimate truth that we are loved by God and uh, that we are His children, that we've been adopted as, as sons into His family, doesn't change. So we need to understand the truest things about ourselves don't change based on the decision. So that's God's gospel. Secondly, we need to understand that what God's word says about God's sovereignty, that ultimately we are in God's hands, that God has us, that God has our back, that we have victory through Him, that even though things sometimes don't work out the way we think they should, God is still working out all things for good for those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. And so if we are allowing God to mold us, if we are allowing God to shape us, if we are allowing God to bring us into the image of Christ and conform us to that image, that ultimately God has still got us, God has still got our backs, and we need to understand that God is still sovereign and really has control over lives as we allow Him to do so. And finally, what we want to look at when we talk about believing God's Word is God's mission. What does that mean? Is that the decision I want to make, the direction that I want to go in, it, is it going to enable me to uh, uh, make the God's mission greater? Is it going to enable me to extend His kingdom more? And is it going to enable me to be, be a better disciple of people? You see, if, if I understand God's mission, it will also give me a direction of where should I go? So if the decision I want to make and the direction I want to go into is going to enable me to support the kingdom more, to extend the kingdom more, 
then that's a good direction to go to. If it's going to take me away from that, if it's going to distract me from God's mission, then that's a decision and direction I need to think twice about. Because ultimately, God has called us to be formed in the image of Christ. God has called us to be devoted to Him and His mission and the extension of the kingdom. And so now we move on to step two, which is listen to godly counsel. And so once we have filtered our decision or the direction we want to go through, through the, through the framework of God's word and believing God's word, we want to move on to listening to godly counsel. Let me give you two scriptures here that speaks about this. Proverbs 11, 14 says, Where there is no guidance, a people fall. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. And Proverbs 18, 1-2 says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. A fool takes no pleasure in this understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. There's some strong words there about wisdom and, and, and what foolishness actually looks like. Foolishness looks like this, wanting our own way, our own opinion, and not allowing anyone to speak into our lives. Not allowing anyone to look at us and say, hey, there's maybe a better way of doing what you're trying to do. Maybe this isn't the right direction to go into. You see, because when we isolate ourselves, the only people that get harmed is ourselves. God distributes wisdom in, in, in such a way that most of the time, the wisdom that we need and the direction that we need to go where we're going is found in other Christians that God has placed in our lives and not in isolation. You see, because we only see our own perspective. But just like in a car, you have blind spots that you don't see. And so in our lives, we also have blind spots in our lives. And so, but we don't have a mirror what we have is people around us that can see a different perspective and a different view of the same situation and can give us a different idea of what they might look like. And so we need to be open to people speaking into our lives. We need to be open to people giving us instruction. We need to be open to people disagreeing with us. Right? And so I'm not saying that you should always, that you should have people in your life that are constantly disagreeing and putting things down, down, uh, that you're trying to do. What I'm talking about is that we shouldn't just seek out people that will affirm our opinion or affirm our way of thinking, but we should actually seek out and listen to people that are challenging our mindset and our perception and how we're viewing a certain thing. Not for your detriment, but so that you can go further and you can be pointed in the right direction. And so when we talk about seeking counsel from, from godly people, we are really talking about these this Christians. Not because non-Christians uh, are inherently bad or can, can't give you good direction or can't give you good advice. Many non-Christians will give you great advice. But we need to take, uh, ultimately we need to seek counsel from people that are in the same value system as us, that understand what we're trying to accomplish, that will understand our mission, that have the same value system and the same plumb line according to what the standard of their life is. And so you can seek out non-Christian counsel, which you should in certain situations, but make sure that it's still filtered through the, through the Word of God and through the mission and the things that we've spoken about. And so what are the certain people and the groups of people that you seek counsel from? Well, your family and friends. Ultimately, your family and friends know you better, know you best. Again, a caveat there is 
to seek counsel, godly counsel from people that are more spiritually mature than you, especially when it comes to the things of God. And so if you find yourself that you are more spiritually, a little bit more mature and ahead of some of your family and some of your friends, then still get the input, but still filter it through the, the, the understanding of God's word and God's mission. So seek those people out, get their understanding. But if you're not on the same uh, page when it comes to God, when you're not, if you're not on the same level spiritually, if you're a little bit more advanced and you have a greater understanding of the things of God, then just put that into consideration. Secondly, you want to look at people in the church at large uh, that have demonstrated wisdom in the area that you're struggling with. So people, Christians that have, that have demonstrated success in a certain area. Seek them out. Ask for the guidance. Uh, we need to be constantly learning. We need to be lifelong learners about whatever field we're in, whatever uh, things that we involve in. We can never get to the place where we think we've arrived and we know everything. And so seek out people in the church at large, either within your local church or outside of the church, people that are uh, that have uh, demonstrated a, a a level of success in the area, whether it's maybe leadership, whether it's maybe finances, whether it's family, how to raise family, seek people in the church at large that have the same value system as you, that put Jesus above everything ultimately, that have the Bible as their standard, and that will approach that certain decision or the direction that you want to head in from that perspective. Then you want to seek out your pastors and elders. Ultimately, God has placed you in a church and God has placed people uh, to watch over you spiritually uh, so that they can lead you and guide you. So if you want to, if you're thinking about making a decision, seek out your pastors and elders and say, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about making a decision. What do you think? And, and they might not have, you know, it might not be a sign from God. It, they, they, they don't necessarily have a direct phone line, the red phone directly to God to hear what you should do. But they'll give you a good perspective. They'll give you a good idea because they know you a little bit better than someone that's uh, 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 outside of your local church. And so there's a level of intimacy. There's a level of, of understanding between the two of you. And so they might be able to give you a better direction in terms of where you should go in your context. And then finally, yes, you can, you can seek out experienced people, mentors, um, in a specific area. They might not be Christian, right? And so, uh, do that and to get a great understanding of how something functions or what are, what are the possibilities of that. Um, but again, as I've said before, filter that through, through God's word, through God's mission. You see, because if, if your mission is to be formed in the image of Christ and extend God's kingdom, and someone else's mission is to just make a lot of money, regardless of, of, of the standard of how they do that, there's going to be a clash of values and a clash of value system. And so that won't enable you ultimately to, to be a better uh, extender of God's kingdom. Okay, so then we move on to step three, which is uh, entitled, Do What You Want, Be Led By Peace. So once we've gone through the first two steps, uh, believing God's word and listening to godly counsel. We come to this third step which really is about what is it that you want to do? And I find that most of us struggle with this, this step, this, this specific area in our lives when we have to make decisions and, and, and decide which direction we're going to. 
Because I believe that it's somewhere along the line, we believe that somehow what we want to do is inherently opposed to what God wants us to do. That somehow, in order to follow God and, and be in the will of God, we, we, we have to do it with dread. That, that it has to be some kind of uh, sacrificial thing. And although God does call us to sacrifice, I believe that God actually puts desires within ourselves and He speaks to those desires. The scripture says that God will give you the desires of your heart. It doesn't necessarily mean that He'll give you what you want. It means that God will place specific desires, that He will place specific passions, He'll place specific affinities within yourself, things that make you tick, things that make you excited, things that make you passionate, things that you want to do. And He'll place those things there for specific reason. And so that's why we're so passionate about uh, uh, helping people discover their purpose, helping people discover their identity, to understand, hey, God has called you to a specific thing, and God's created you in a specific way, and He's given you certain passions and desires that, that, that He wants you uh, to pursue, and He's placed those desires in you so that you can pursue the thing that He's called you to do. And so if we've gone through the first two steps, then... This is the third step. And I know do what you want might sound very unspiritual. And if you haven't done the first two steps, it is unspiritual. If you haven't believed God's word, and if you haven't gone and sought out godly counsel, then doing what you want will be unspiritual. But if you've gone through that process and you've done those two things, then at the end of the day, the question is, what is it that you want to do? What is it that you want to pursue? Do you... Do you want to take the job? Not take the job. Do you want to marry the person? Not marry the person. Once you've gone through that, those first two steps, it really can be that simple to follow Jesus and follow God in the gray areas of our lives. And it's so important because the word says in Isaiah 58.12, You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. You will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. I've come to realize that peace can be a very deciding factor in the direction that God wants us to do, to go. Often when, when my wife and uh, Samantha and I want to make a decision or pursue a specific thing and we're not sure, we'll say to each other, well, do you have peace about it? And we'll say, yes, well, then let's do it. Is, is it within God's word? Will help us extend the kingdom? Have we listened to godly counsel? Then ultimately, well, what do you want to do? Do you have peace about the decision? I do. And then you go forth. If you say, I don't know, I'm I'm quite anxious about it, then anxiety is a clear sign, is a pretty good indication that you shouldn't go that way. Why? Because anxiety is not of God. God told us that He has not given us a spirit of fear, anxiety, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. Peace. Right? And so when we have to make a decision, really it can really boil down to what you want to do. Well, I really want to pursue this thing. Well, then go for it. It really can be this easy. You see, it's very un, um, unhealthy to always wait for a vision or a sign from God to pursue something. So often we'll, 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 we'll use the scripture, I'm waiting on the Lord. Really, for most people, it's just an excuse to not make a decision. Because oftentimes it's easier to make no decision than to actually make a decision. But the problem is, is that often the, uh, us not making a decision is more detrimental uh, to us than actually making a decision and taking a step forward. 
And so the idea that we constantly have to wait for a sign from God, that we constantly have to wait for a vision from God to make a decision, uh, I think for a lot of people it's just an excuse just to sit back and say, I don't, I don't want to take on the responsibility of actually pursuing something. You see, because I believe that if you've gone through the first two steps, God would have already told you whether that was a good decision or not a good decision to make. And so at the end of the day, it really boils down to what do you want to do and do you have peace about it? And if you do, then go for it. Make the decision. Take the step because God directs your steps. God leads you when you are moving, not when you're stationary. And lastly, we, we, we come to the last step here, and that is to ask for faith. So you've believed God's word, you've sought out godly counsel, and you've looked at what is it that you want to do and what do you have peace about. And you've made a decision, this is the direction I'm going in, this is what I'm going to pursue. And now what you need is, you need faith. Because even though you might be the wisest person on the earth, you don't know the future. You can look at all the trends, but you still can't predict what's going to happen. And in this time, especially the season that we're in, we need to put our faith not in God's hands, not in His ability to make something happen, but we need to put our faith in His heart, in His love for us, in His goodness, in His mercy, and His, and His, and His loving kindness towards us. You see, because you can do all of these, you can go through this whole decision-making process, you can go through this whole framework, and things still might not work out the way you think they should. Or the way you hope they would. Just like I said, this is like bumpers on a bowling alley. It won't ensure that you hit every uh, single pin all the time. It just gives you a better chance of hitting something. And so, as we make a decision, we need to put our faith in Him. We need to put our trust in Him. Even in, in this time, in this period where there's a lot of confusion, we got to put our faith in God knowing that He has our back, that He loves us, that He'll never forsake us, that ultimately He's making all things work out for those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. Once we make a decision, we've got to have faith in God and His love. Charles Spurgeon said this, God is too good to be unkind. He is too wise to be confused. If I cannot trace His hand, I can always trust His heart. We need to have faith no matter what, that God is there for us. That even where we can't trace His hands, we can always trace, uh, trust His heart. Where we can't trace what He's doing. And for a lot of you right now, you, have, you don't know what He's doing. And that's okay. In the times that you can't trace His hands, you can always trust your heart. Because God will never leave you nor forsake you. God is with you till the ends of the age. Proverbs 21, 30 to 31 says, No wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against the Lord. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. You see, we need to understand that our job is not to make things happen. Ultimately, our job is to get the horse ready. Our job is to make the best possible and the best or uh, the most wisest decision that we know how to. And then ultimately, it's God that gives the victory. It's God that, that causes things to come into place. It's God that puts pieces together and puts you in the right place at the right time. It's God and His un, 
unmerited favor upon you and I that causes us to be, be victorious in the thing that we pursue. You see, we still go into battle. We still have to ready the horse for battle. We still have to put in the plans and we have to still have to put in the, the strategies and we still have to put in the work. But ultimately, it's God who gives us the victory in the battle. So take heart this morning and take encouragement this morning. That yes, we have to think things through. We have to make a decision. We have to take a step of faith. We've got to pursue God. We've got to move. And as we move, God directs our path and God blesses that path. But ultimately, it's God that blesses the path. Ultimately, it's God that gives us the victory. But it comes from an understanding of who we are and whose we are. That we are the sons of God. That we are the children of God. And that we belong to Him. That we were bought with a price. We are not our own. That we are bought with a price. And God bought us. God redeemed us. God sent His Son to die for us. God gave the best that He ever had for you and for me so that we can be redeemed from the curse of the law and we can walk in victory. That is the greatest news of all. More than the things that we accomplish, more than the things that we pursue, to have the understanding that God calls us by our name, that God counts the hairs that are on our head, that God is so involved with our lives, that He knows everything that happens, and that He will never leave us nor forsake us. He will never allow us to be in a situation without providing a way of escape. Trust in Him. Build your faith up by hearing His Word. Build your faith up by reading His Word. Build your faith up by believing what He said about you. Ultimately, uh, we pray that we are a wise people. But ultimately, I pray that we will be a people that are after Him more than anything else. That we will be a people that want Him and His presence more than anything else. We trust that this message has blessed you. We would like to invite you to worship with us every Sunday at 9 a.m. at our Easter's campus. Music